Now we're doing yeah. this again. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I am Brett. And I'm a record button. <laughs> hey uh, It's just going to go like yes. that all night, isn't it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, and this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the Yorkshire Yarn Spinner. So, gentlemen, how are we? It's been so very long since I've seen you. This all seems very familiar. <laughs> it's almost 24 hours. Uh, so just to get this out of the way for uh, everyone that's not the four of us, uh, we we did this yesterday and <laughs> I I messed up. I, I pressed the stop broadcast button instead of the unmute button when I'd muted myself to try and eat and then Al got very angry because I wasn't talking to him. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of just try up. and blame Al yep. for not recording it, yesterday. It's, it's obviously my fault. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it blamed you while you were away, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. We're here now. We're here. It's yeah, right. here we it's are. Fine. Here we ah. are. Gotten all of the uh, the dust knocked off since yesterday, so it'll be so much better chat today. <laughs> it says off air again. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> <Not really. laughs> So, Tim, do you want to uh, just tell everyone who you are, why you're here, and all that? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, I'm Tim. Uh, Turgworks on Instagram. Um, there is Turgworks on YouTube, but that's not really worth looking at. Has he got your pizza axe video on the YouTube? No. What happened to that? I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed that. I've still got the uh, pizza cleaver. That was a present for a friend, and um, you kept it. it. Been two years, <laughs> I think. I've had it now. <laughs> it is, it is it, worth keeping. Keep forgetting to give it him. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Just stop there, <laughs> that's, then. That's fine. That's that's me. Yeah. Okay. Go. Cool. Uh, yeah. So it all seems very familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Tim is a. Another member of the maker community. He, uh, what is it you actually do for a living? Dick around with electrics. Yeah, I was a I was a high voltage fitter um, because of all the working away. I got a different job, so now I coordinate other people doing the fitting and the cable joining and the building of substations or retrofitting substations. So anything in a substation, really. What is a substation? Uh, a substation is where you tend to have either some switch gear, which is just like the fuse board in your house or distribution board. Um, but the ones I work on are like 11,000 volts. Um, it used to be up to 132,000 volts, but I, don't, I only do 11 really now. Cool. Um, yeah, that's it. Nice. He is the real life Jeremy Ash. This, yeah. Hence high voltage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. T shirts uh, are available. uh cool so in which case uh brett what have you been up to since the last actual recording ah right well i'll go into more detail this time round since i was so cryptic yesterday uh and i lost track of when this recording was actually going to go out so i can talk about it um we had the first of two tig welding classes with jd and jody and uh complaints department from last week emailed me and said uh i got the show notes wrong for jd it's apex ish not apex welding what's that 
show notes are right. It Nothing the... Steve's fault. We've, we've established this. <laughs> the show notes right. are correct. Also, Everyone we don't else. have a complaint department. It's just <laughs> council it's a box at... in the middle of the ocean. Uh, so anyway, yeah, during the class, which went well, uh, I knocked up a 20-sided die on flat sheet steel and welded it together, practiced my TIG welding, used silicone bronze, which I love, and did some steel blackening and some brass brass brush inlay stuff. I'm quite quite happy with how it turned out. It looks as if it's been rolling around in a dungeon. So <laughs> I love that I have a gigantic fucking 20-sided die now that is just hilarious. And I think my favorite bit, was a suggestion from the mother of the podcast. The number 13 is my hot stamp with the 13 on his face. Nice. So nice. like how that turned out. Uh, other than that, we are prepping for TIG welding class number two, which will be happening here in a couple of days. I know we've got a couple of fools coming along for that one. So it's going to be really, really nice. I think we worked a lot of the bugs out in the first round so this one should go a bit smoother. And honestly, JD and Jody are fantastic teachers and are just very willing to like let people do whatever the hell they want. When everybody switched and we're like, okay, so I can weld steel to steel. Uh, what about aluminum? What about using silicone bronze? What about using stainless? And uh, there's a lot covered in, in two days. And everybody walked away with some fun stuff. Looking forward to this week. That's it for me. Cool. Video up soon of the 20-sided die. Nice. Uh, cool. What about you, Al? Um, on the welding theme, uh, I very quick, before we recorded last night, <laughs> for last night's <laughs> episode of Try and Get Tim on the podcast, um, <laughs> I knocked up a spice rack because I've got all these spices kicking around in the kitchen and it was annoying me and there's screws in the door ready to be hung. So I knocked up a spice rack uh, with a bit of welding. Um, it was very much bodged together, but it seems to be doing the job. Um, and at the weekend, I um, went around my friend's house because his daughter had outgrown her um, playhouse in the garden. So instead of getting a new playhouse or getting rid of the old one, uh, basically like converted it. So it opened out kind of like, a, I want to say like Malibu Stacy or something like a house <laughs> like that. I'm thinking more Tracy Island, though. So basically yeah. like the yeah, whatever. The, the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like my Malibu Stacy house. Um, <laughs> basically the put hinges on the roof and hinges on the wall. So it all just uh, like folds out. Um, so they, in, when it's hot in the summer, they can just basically extend it. And we built decking out from the, from the playhouse as well. And it's basically like the decking is like 10 times stronger than the original playhouse. So it's going to hold it up for a little bit longer, I think as well. A little sand pit, some stairs as well. Cause she's got a little sister who's like two years old. And um, so they can both use it together now, which is nice. Um, and it was absolutely pissing down. So it was basically a case of how much, Construction work can you get done in 45 minutes while it stops raining <laughs> and then hide under the shed and then go back out. Uh, yeah. And I did end up getting electrocuted uh, by an angle grinder, which, was, which was, if it was an appropriate tool to kill me, not <laughs> through its destructive capacity, but through my ignorance and playfulness in the, in the moisture, it would be an <laughs> angle grinder. Yeah. I do have one quick question about the spice rack. Yes. Uh, how did you handle the bedding for your spice weasel? Um, there is a hook at the top, um, and basically you can actually – it holds two spice weasels, so there's one on either <laughs> side, and they counterbalance one another. 
Perfect. Bam! Bam! <laughs> uh, Ace. Um, Ace. Steve. Wicked. Wicked in all that. What has Steve? What has Steve, Steve done uh, since yesterday? Uh, I have working. been. I have been working. Uh, I've been getting everything sorted for the festival tomorrow. Getting everything packed for uh, this weekend, next week, and the week after. Because uh, I get probably about eight hours uh, between getting back and leaving again. Um, so yeah, basically, I've just been rushing around. Um, uh, <laughs> rushing around trying to get shit sorted. Such a dick. <laughs> and uh, what was that? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> In the past. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've spent a lot of this week uh, making stock for the festivals because obviously we sell stuff at festivals. Um, this one's going to be a slightly interesting one because it's going to be the first time that I'm, or that me and Jazz are running the shop uh without alex and we're not actually doing any of the demos or anything else um we're just doing uh, uh just doing the shop um because uh, because it's the first time at this festival and they've not asked us to do that um so <laughs> fucking i knew having you two on together was a bad <laughs> idea uh but one of the things that I did quickly want to say before we move on to uh what a dickhead you two are um was I did. I made tripods, um, camping tripods, this week as well. Very nice. And yes, and they're super, super easy to do. Mm-hmm. They're really fun. Well, I say super easy. They're like the 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 um, the skills involved are, are super easy. They're actually a right bastard to do because you've got to hold a very long bit of metal on one end and it's wobbly. Um, and they feel like going over the fire. Yeah, so yeah. So you have like three in a hook uh, ring. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, they're, they're a really easy, like beginner project, but also a really satisfying one to do. Cause they're, they're quite big. They're really useful. Hmm. And it means you can, you know, if you make like S hooks and stuff like that, you can hang stuff from it to cook with and all that. So you can cook with everything you've done, especially if you do like, um, like a nice decent sized S hook and you can just hang a leg of lamb on there and just cook that over the fire sort of thing. That's, uh, hopefully what they're going to be doing with one, uh, this weekend at the, festival so it's really really good um and yeah i i was gonna say definitely <laughs> fuck's sakes definitely this is what happens every week tim every single fucking mm, molten week. plastic mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah uh, they're really easy to do but the the problem that a lot of people find with doing something like this is you, the fact that you need like a meter and a half of uh, length of steel and when people are starting out with blacksmithing as much like they are when people start out with woodwork um a lot of woodworkers start off with like pallet wood scraps and things like that. And a lot of metal workers start off with, you know, bits of random bags of hinges. That, yeah. Bags <laughs> of hinges and all sorts of shit. Um, and I, I think there's this myth that uh, metal is really expensive because most things you buy that are made of metal tend to be expensive, but metal's really fucking cheap. Uh, if you get hold of your local steel supplier, you can pick up a, like a decent six meter length of uh, of round stock for like a fiver, um, and if you ask them nicely, they'll almost always middle it for you, which is where they cut it down into a manageable size so you can put it in your uh, car or whatever. Um, nice. So yeah, if you if you are doing any kind of blacksmithing or even metalworking in general, it's definitely worth just getting in touch with your local steel supplier. Get on Google, find one, and 
get yourself some decent steel rather than just using little scrappy bits all the time. I mean, even yeah, I mean, obviously you're right, Stephen. It is an accessible art form. It's not dead art. Um, but even <laughs> even just picking up scrap that's that's useful. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, seeing like um, what Seb did for that little fire oh, pit. That was fucking awesome. It was great, and it turned out really nice. And you know, a, a couple of like fence railings or something. Um, yeah. Like of which the railing was solid bar, which I didn't think yeah. it would be. I thought it'd be tube. <laughs> when it got into it, it's like sweet, yep. a nice find. Um, yeah, so you could definitely get into it. Uh, yeah. an easy easy level yeah um, I, like i say that, that I, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with using scrap and it's it's something that i do i just mean the fact that quite often people will go oh well i can't do that because yeah. I, I can't find bits that length you can go out and buy them um and yeah i think i, I think because I, I used to get it as well like a lot of people think that unless you're in a specific trade then you need some sort of magic card that says you're a tradesman <laughs> before people sell stuff to you and nope. I've been nope. winging. I've been winging it for years. <laughs> <laughs> People will sell you fucking anything, especially it's if great. it's cash because it's tax free. It's great. Yeah, almost like they want to sell things. Yeah. I know, right? It's mad. But uh, yeah, so I think we were going to talk about uh, Tim greasing up otters or something. Oiling otters, actually. Oiling, Oiling yeah. sorry, otter, yes. Otter oil, otter greasing. Your otters oiled. Um. Yeah, so basically, yesterday we talked, uh, we had a really, really good conversation that no oh, one ever Oh, so good. Hear. If only you had heard it. Was, it. it was possibly the best podcast that there's ever been. Yeah, um, it really, really, really was. I think it's better than <laughs> the last episode, to Absolutely. be honest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, yeah let's, let's build this one up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so this, um, is, this is essentially tribute to the greatest podcast yeah. in the world. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Henry uh, made the best <laughs> podcast in the world. <laughs> it your Sarah. <laughs> that was a very good impression. Well done. Thanks, I've uh, tried. Yeah, <laughs> you are quite good at random voices and accents. Oh, we. I, yeah, I'm going to put it in the chat. I'm not going to say it out loud. Uh, so yeah, um, we we spent a lot of time talking about old buildings and stuff yesterday. Um, Tim, do you want to just give a quick recap because? You were saying yesterday about how you uh, did some architect stuff as you came out of school, and and that's why you got into looking at old buildings and stuff like that. Do you want to just give a quick recap on that so that? Um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. So, as Steve said, um, I did my work experience at an architect's. I did. I already had an interest in it from sort of watching Fred Dibner and <laughs> my, my dad's up, sort of into sort of industrial sort of stuff too. Um, so, yeah, a bit like growing up with Fred Dibner and that sort of influences. Uh, so I did architecture, uh, what's it, work experiences. So that's like when you, for people who don't know what that is, it's when you, is it 15 you do work experience? I think it's about 15, yeah. So you're like, yeah, you're, not, yeah. you're not old enough to be responsible, but you're kind of, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're large run... enough to do manual labour if people want to get you to do stuff. And you can yeah. run a kettle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. <laughs> you go to the shop and buy lads breakfast? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I made uh, I made brews in an architect for a fortnight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was pretty cool. We worked on like Halifax Minster, uh, and one of the uh, directors of the firm, he's actually got a gar- gargoyle of his face on top of <laughs> Halifax Minster now. <laughs> Brilliant. It, with a roof, or something. I don't really know what they were doing. Uh, but so we got to go, go on the roof and stuff, which were pretty cool. Uh, nice. Draw buildings. Nice. Yeah. yeah. 
But um, <clears throat> but yeah. So now, like in the in the the automakers group chat thing that we uh, that uh, me Al and Tim are in with a few other people. Um, not waffles. Not waffles. <laughs> um, but we uh, we quite often get Tim sending pictures of random old buildings and random old shit that you find in substations and things like that. Um, and what I love is the fact that it's not just a uh, a picture, like a random picture of, oh, this looks cool. It's mm. a random picture and then a fucking four-page essay on <laughs> what the building used to be, while well, it's there and where it came from and what like everything else that goes with it. Um, so, yeah, I think we were just, like, I, I think yesterday's chat just kind of, uh, yeah, Al? Yeah, no, I, I, I was just going to save you from your um, okay. intense rambling. Um, <laughs> I was kind of waiting for that, but nobody else seemed to be jumping in. So, um, Yeah, I mean, because Tim kind of um, often sends messages and tells us about these amazing places that he visits because of his job, um, it's it, it, it interests me because I know nothing about these things. Um, I've no kind of... Um, foot into that world of these weird and wonderful like industrial places um, other than like places you visit like museums um, and I think there's a there's a there's a luxury in what you're kind of you have access to um, yeah definitely which, yeah. I think, which I definitely think you're you're, you're lucky to do um, but you obviously like 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 Steve says obviously really passionate about it as well and it's really interesting that um, to, to, to Steve's point it's not just about um, I like things it's about the, the understanding and then being able to like tell people about things and like share share your kind of it's like a nerdiness for like you know talking about like Fred Dibner, someone who's like fucking obsessed with like oh yeah yeah Definitely, mechanics yeah. and engines and anything like traditional and old and then how it works and how it kind of um, like fueled the country and and was this like heart heart of the nation. And I think being being from the north and living around these things all the time, you kind of get indoctrinated with this idea that industry and and these these large scale things that used to literally fuel like the economy um is super interesting so it's like how 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 did you how did you end up there why did you go to do architecture why you know wh- where's your love for art and design and making coming to this is it all just intertwined or do you see them as like totally separate things in your head have you got like like old old man uh steam engine tim <laughs> graffiti tim because <laughs> it seems to be all these different sides to you and i'm just wondering how they all kind of knit together yeah it's it's a bit of a sweet weird one really because they do like if if you start following graffiti and stuff you uh you end up in a lot of these sort of places like where, where i grew up uh it was like just on the edge of a big valley right um and i sort of stopped living there when i was like 23 something like that uh, and then I moved away and then realised there was a huge old brick factory at mm. one end of the fact- uh, valley, completely full of graffiti that I've never been <laughs> to before. Um, I, I, I've, never really, like I've never really associated, I've never really associated, it's obvious now that you say it, but I've never really associated the graffiti with the, the venue, as it were. Mm. I always yeah, think yeah. of graffiti being this like urban sort of abandoned <clears throat> thing. So like, you know, side of a train or you know, like an underpass, something concrete and relatively modern. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about it in the context of something that's maybe old, you get that cool juxtaposition. But, I, you know, I never thought that that would be like a, a conscious decision by someone. Yeah, I think they just go where there's a little bit of where, shelter. Where there's a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this looks disused. Wall. Yeah, it's uh, not going to fall on them while they're painting. So, 
it's it's just everywhere. It's like you find it. And also, I, I used to work with a guy who was into demolition, and he was like in his fifties, but he was bang into it. He had hundreds of photos of like walls he'd knocked down, covered in oh, graffiti right. from old mills, just full of it. Well, they just they just knocked. Um, there's Marshall's Mill uh, on the street where I work in Leeds, which is like the old industrial area. The place oh, where yeah, I, yeah. the place where I work is the foundry, round foundry. And across the road, there was an old mill. It was relatively, like, probably like turn of the century. It wasn't super old. Um, but on the side of it, like, they actually got it commissioned to paint John Marshall on the side of this building. So it was this huge mural of, like, a portrait. Um, but the, guy, the, the artist that did it, he combined it with, like, his street style. So it was like mm. a proper painting, like, done like yeah. with, with, yeah, with spray yeah. cans but then he'd mixed it into like his urban style it was fucking awesome and it was like it, it was it exactly summed up this like um this collaboration of, of new and old and traditional and and, and yeah. contemporary um and i fucking loved it and then they knocked the they knocked the place down so <laughs> it was only up for like six months it's like what this like it was massive as well it that, was wasn't fucking it? huge and i was like well could you not preserve it could you not like yeah. I, I even wanted like can i have one of the bricks with like some paint on one side i thought it'd be like a really cool yeah, part of the thing, but they li- they literally mint the entire fucking area like down oh, to dust. Man. Like they they've just spent three months just putting it all through grinders. Yeah, <laughs> there was a there was a door at the brickworks that uh, an artist called um, is it Ejector Rejector? Is is from Leeds? I think it might be from Manchester or Liverpool, but he lives in Leeds now. Right, um, and he'd done like a big door, and someone nicked it and made a coffee table out of it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is just reminding me of the conversation that we had on yesterday's amazing podcast <laughs> uh, but with a new additive uh, we were chatting a lot about the the conservation of these old buildings and what they could possibly be turned into steve you brought up something like a music venue or hosting events inside of these beautiful old warehouses but based on this specific topic I, the conservation rather than the reuse of these or turning them into, you know, super posh flats for five times the rent. (laughs) Um, The art that goes on these, it's, it's this beautiful work that these people do and gets knocked down all the time or painted over, you know, whoever the landlord is or the building owner goes in there and paints it white again, which really just has this beautiful fleeting beauty to it where it's just, uh, if you were there to witness it or take a photo, then you have the visual memory of that, right? And Tim, I know you have your art Instagram where a lot of the graffiti that you've seen, the beautiful stuff is on that Instagram profile. But how do you guys feel about when when something aged like that, like a building, something that has a history to it, either gets demoed or there's there's something beautiful about the architecture that will probably never get done again because they can make it cheaper and more efficient and uglier but is it is it kind of our task to conserve these things or preserve these things rather than doing you know we we use this word restoration a lot in the YouTube space, but it's not really a re- you're not really restoring these old buildings because you don't want the 50 ton machines that were inside. It's like, no, but the building is beautiful and no one will build this again out of brick. It will be a shitty section of flats that no one's going to be able to afford to live in. Like, how do you guys feel? Because I, I know what my feelings about those kind of things are. But I, mean, I wonder, you guys have a lot more age in your country than that, we that, that, that was going to be my point. It's, it's, it's all kind of relative, like uh, a, a beautiful, because it was the same, like when I've lived in different places around the UK, 
And some places there's none of that. Some places it's all just contemporary concrete, you know, high rise bullshit and like terraced houses. Um, but it's only when I moved here that you realize that there's a fucking mill on every corner and <laughs> you, you, you can literally just drive to like almost like abandoned towns in the middle of, of the dales that are just, that were once these like um, industrial hubs, you know, maybe because yeah. there was a river there um, or the, the, the lay of the land was just right for a certain crop or something. Um, and now they're just irrelevant. So there's, so I mean, Tim, you, you probably know more, but there's, there's, loads of these places around but it's just who decides which ones get kept going like you, you're talking about that um that 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 station at the hotel in the lake district oh yeah, like, yeah you know in my head that's a romantic thing that that's still going but from their point of view it's probably just well it's, it still works so why why should we bother replacing it yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah because i mean it, that's uh uh it's a three and a half thousand volt substation i've actually just put some Pictures of it on my other Instagram today oh, nice. because you because you told me to yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, like people don't look at substations. This this is actually like tucked behind an asbestos door in a garage. Nice. Uh, so you, you just wouldn't you'd go past a garage, but you aren't going to think, oh, there's a substation in there. But um, the stuff in there's uh, like from the 30s, uh, and it's beautiful. Like like the the switch is like amazing looking thing. Yeah. Uh, the trans well if you like Transformers, which obviously I do. <laughs> not, <laughs> not the robots. <laughs> Bumblebee is uh, my favourite. Uh, yeah, I, I've just got an appreciation for it, really. Uh, and obviously, having access to it is a massive bonus. I get arrested a lot. <laughs> you, talked about it, you talked about it a bit yesterday. Um, there was a specific Transformer, I think you were chatting about, that will effectively run forever if you maintain it because it's just oil and pitch or yeah yeah, yeah. um that, that's the same one so there's there's very few moving parts of the transformer you have what's called a tap change which ever so slightly alters the voltage um, but as long as you keep the oil clean uh and the pitch out of the hv boxes doesn't uh get into the oil through the bushings um it, it will literally run forever within yeah. you know as long, if you don't rot out from the outside in or anything but that <laughs> That one's not going to do its inside. <laughs> With all this stuff looking after it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just think of the kind of stuff that we deal with nowadays where it's it's got like a five-year lifespan on it. Yeah. Al, you always bring up the car situation, and you're dead right because the cars are made to just drive for a couple of years or I I love the example that you brought up where it's like, which one are you driving this season? Yeah. <laughs> And then you introduce somebody to this old transformer that's like, it's been here for a hundred years. I'm just putting whale oil back into it. <laughs> but I think, you know, that, that, that again ties back into like the same connection with a love for like all cars, Tim, you know? You've, yeah. Yeah. You've, you've cars, yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> um, it, it's not necessarily that things were more beautiful or, you know, made better or anything like that. It was just the, the, the there was a purpose behind them and, the purpose was to last and to not fuck, fucking break down. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you weren't just buying debt, you were buying the thing, you were buying the object. Um, I don't know if that's like linked together because obviously back then we were like the limited, I'm not saying limited technology, but if you like the mini I had from the, well, they didn't change the design from like the 30s or 40s yeah. whenever they come out. Um, I think they had to make them that way because they knew that worked and it just yeah. so happened yeah. that that will continue to work for, you know, fucking ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, until I buy them. 
that, it's that whole thing about barn door engineering, isn't it? It's it's yeah, it's, it's as simple as it can be. You don't bother overcomplicating things because then that's just more things to go wrong. I mean, like obviously, there's uh, that's what I love about the Land Rover is the fact that it's it's so basic that there's not a great deal that can go wrong with it. And when something does go wrong, it's very easy to identify what that fault is and then fix it rather than going, Oh, well this could be one of 400 things. And I need to plug it into my laptop to find out by the software first. And yeah, fuck it. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, and and, and, uh, again, like that, that's one of the beautiful things about those older simplistic things is the fact that they can just, keep going and going and going and and you see something wrong and you don't necessarily need to have the exact specific part. <laughs> you can chuck a bit of JB Weld in there and all of a sudden it's as good as new. It's that that's one of the great things about it. Who the hell have you been listening to that uses <laughs> JB Weld like that? <laughs> what fucking podcasts have you been listening to? It's just liquid duct tape. It's a <laughs> JB Weld fi- fix all. <laughs> the fix all. Yeah, there you go. But uh... well, I I like that you know Tim's got a really interesting background and uh, the diversity of the things that we've been talking about in terms of oh God, this is all yesterday, <laughs> it's all flooding <laughs> back to me. Um, where do you think where do you think you sit in terms of these old buildings that you go and explore, um, either through your work or maybe just doing it hobbyist style when you were going and seeing the graffiti in the past. Do you see these buildings getting reused for anything or are you able to go in if say, if you're working on the electric, is that because someone, a new tenant is taking over or that the yeah, building yeah. is it still in operational order and you're just kind of keeping it going. Cause someone All owned it. We were talking about the, uh, what's the term you guys were using for the houses that are basically kept, but no one goes in them anymore. Uh, uh, listed. There you go. So yeah, sorry, I, I stopped you before you were. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's all of those things, really. Like, I've, um, there's a, a mill just in one of the valleys by my house, um, and that's that's still in use. But we recently like swapped the transformer out in there. Um, they, I think they just make cardboard tubes for like everything, Bingles <laughs> and carpet, everything. Um, but then I'll go to some sites which are totally abandoned, but to increase the value of those sites, the they need a, an 11,000-volt connection. Um, uh-huh. So both, yeah. Um, or if they do turn one into flats or whatever, it'll need a substation. It's weird. I'm, I'm looking at your um, I'm looking at your Instagram, Tim, and it looks it looks like a gypsum plant or something. And your comment is, it's like working on the moon. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what did they do there? And it's like it is like you wouldn't. The, yeah. the average Joe would never experience that world. No, that's... you know, unless unless you work there or are in some sort of service like you are. Yeah, I think they make lime there or something. Ah, oh, right, lime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, those uh, those four are just massive kilns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it really I... does look like the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I was going to say, because one of the things that, uh, that you put me onto, uh, this is fucking ages ago, um, was the the Drowned Village at the Lady Bower um, uh, Reservoir. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking love reservoirs. Yeah, oh, they're fucking great. <laughs> and, uh, but again, like it, it's that, that fucking basic, simple, massive engineering projects that even back then were, were still made to 
to look good whereas now it's just kind of a solid concrete slab and looks a bit boring and shit um but yes you must you must come across all kinds of weird and wonderful shit in your uh travels and sorry i I was just gonna say i know i know there was one that we talked about a little bit yesterday (laughs) but i was just wondering if there's any others that uh Uh, kind of spring out as yeah there is um where that hotel is that we spoke about with the little transformer Mm. um the reservoir that that was built for uh that's a flooded village too yes i remember Um, i remember the the sort of story as a kid because it's near me where i grew up yeah and um, these stories of flooding this this little village they uh and the, the pumping station that uh, regulates the water flow out of the dam uh, has a little museum for it. And it's it's got all about oh, really? uh, you know, like moving the, the bodies out of the uh, graveyards and stuff to yeah. Shap. <laughs> uh, which well, it's an appropriate, appropriate place for them. Shap. <laughs> <laughs> it would be better if they just left the bodies at the side of the road. It would make the place look better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one... Uh, Steve was hinting at is uh, I think was the one under Belfast uh, Royal Hospital. Yeah, um, it was the first public building in the world with air conditioning. So oh, yeah, oh. with with it being Belfast, uh, <laughs> they just used a ship's propeller, like a massive thing. I think it was like two or three meters across, big brass thing. Yeah, um, and that that blew air through uh, big thick coconut ropes with like hot or cold water on. <laughs> and then it blew, blew it down a like a narrowing corridor, which kept the air pressure up. And then the matron had just opened a hatch to let warm or cold air onto the ward. <laughs> there must be easier ways. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just get a fan. Yeah. yeah, but then again, it comes down to that that keeping it simple. Like that's it's a really really simple way of doing it. Like we we've done it in the workshop before, where we've had. Um, where it's been really, really hot, like especially last summer, and we only had a little, basically a little desktop fan to cool the entire workshop. It didn't work very well. Um, but you've got a forge on, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but but we had uh, like strung up in front of that, just a wet tea towel with uh, like cut some slashes in it. I just kept that moist. And, uh... So then it was hot and moist. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the most pleasant environment to be. Yeah. terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah you made a really shit sauna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't on the forge, dickhead. Um... Oh, that was your arm. That's right. Hey? You steam steam burn. Oh, yeah. Callback. Steve's yeah. a dick. Steams. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. all right that's it sorry guys right back on it. i want to know what the job title of the person that soaked the ropes were at this at this belfast air conditioning mm. unit poly rope soaper soaker that's a different thing roke soaper <laughs> yeah good <laughs> I think you can actually go see that if you happen to be over there. It's like once or twice a year they they fire up the little steam engine that ran it. Oh wow! I mean that that makes me think of uh, Yandel's though when we were there last year, and they're only allowed to run the uh, gigantic bandsaw like once a day or whatever it was, and we got to actually see it run. I mean that that mill that sawmill is so old, but still in really good working order, and doesn't didn't. Dandel say that the crane still technically works? Uh no, it it's um it's repairable, 
but it's definitely not in working order. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> fair enough. But I, I love these old, the, the age of the buildings and the mills that you guys have in your country is just, it's such a substantial, such a substantial difference because even when we were going through uh, the industrial age a hundred years ago, um, you know, brick buildings and, and some of the older towns in our country still just don't feel like they have, I don't know, the history, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but having having a building that's been operational for two or 300 years, like the Twine Works that you took us to, Steve, um, the first thing that, his name is Ross? Is it Ross? Yeah. Yes, Ross told us about was referencing uh, making canvas for tall ships and sewing them together. And this is like three or 400 years ago. <laughs> and he starts talking about pirates, and all of these beautiful things. That, that, uh, w- would you call it a mill at that point or just it's twine works, turg works? Uh, yeah. It was, it, yeah. It was, it was a, probably would have been a twine works. works it? Yeah. Yeah. So something like that, that has all of these beautiful old machines and the line shaft lathe that it had in the little side room. Um, he brought it up specifically as wanting to conserve that space and they were just opening it recently. Um, so it was beautiful to get to see all of that, but like, how's a person ever going to go see that? No one's going to drive down to Steve's. There's nothing down there, but Murphy, um, but this beautifully preserved, you know, two, 300 year old twine works area is being reinvigorated by the owners now. And he said it was something like a million pounds uh, that they were having to pump into just getting it back to operational so that they could host walkthroughs and possibly start making twine again. I, th- I think um, the, the, the interest, Brett, in terms of like how you might see like the, the British thing, British, these sites be a little bit more romantic, for example, than yeah. in America. Like a lot of the industrial revolution did happen here. Um, and a lot of the kind of um, the breakthroughs and the innovations did happen. So when Ross was telling us about the specific kind of canvas that they made using that twine, it was like that was groundbreaking and, and won wars for the British Empire yeah. because of, you know, a slightly different technique for dipping it in lard <laughs> than, than the guys down the road. Um, and I think that the those stories behind the places is, A, probably what keeps them alive through funding and, you know, being warranted kind of um, heritage status uh, in the UK, mm. um, but also what what gives people the appeal to, like you say, go down to the middle of nowhere in in, in Dorset and visit this place because you know you, uh, yes, it's a beautiful part of the country, but it's it's a very random place to be. Um, but again, it was probably through, like Tim says, it was, it was necessity. It was like that's why the things were there. Yeah. Um, they, they needed to be there for a specific reason because right. that was where the flax grew because of the soil. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was like all these, there's all there's all these like domino effects we've talked about before, but like that everything kind of ladders up to this this thing being there and then warranted being kept around for 400, 500 years because otherwise we wouldn't have had ships and sails and <laughs> we'd all be speaking Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same reason why uh, Pontefract is so well known for sweets, isn't it? Because like the area around it is just like there was just massive of licorice root. Ah, oh, right. They could just, just pick it off the floor and then 
go knock up some really shit sweets. Some crap sweets <laughs> that, that ruin kids' dreams because yeah. they think they're getting something delicious, but it's really just licorice. Yeah, it's some this isn't mess. a cake at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel maybe maybe I haven't traveled around the U.S. enough to all of these places. I mean, we didn't explore a lot when I was younger. It was always major cities and... um you know, considering a lot of our cities were built around the industrial areas, you can go to a place like Cleveland that has a really long history. It's still a little south of the Rust Belt, you know, the the northern states where there was a lot of manufacturing and metalwork. Um, but, you know, Detroit fell apart. Like that entire city was built around automotive and yeah. steelwork. And now it's just gone because they figured out ways to either get it from offshore everything's coming in cheaper from overseas and with again it might be a romantic vision of of how your guys's country works but it seems like there's a lot more pride taken in that uh or the history of things we, we and, also, i mean you also have like shitloads of space so like for for, yeah. for something to be abandoned in the states it would not be that big a deal right right right, right. I, I remember when jim was talking about that um munitions place that he went to that he oh, wasn't yeah. supposed to be talking about. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, we showed up and it was a uh, hundred acres or something yeah, like that. That's like yeah. a vill- That's like a village in in the UK. So like you couldn't just abandon that without <laughs> well without without putting it at the bottom of a reservoir. Bigger right. than Dorset. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that plays a part because you can't really hide from those things here. So if something's like an ice or or beautiful, it's kind of it's screaming at you every time you drive past it. Mm-hmm. And kind of warrants that that attention. Uh, yeah. okay. well put and and that also kind of means that things tend to get uh repurposed and reused so you don't get let's see you, you don't get a building that just is completely abandoned it it tends to be uh either completely torn down and, and built over or it it finds another purpose it finds um some other use i mean it's like the the uh the time works that we were talking about that only stopped working um in the 70s or 80s i think um it was still going up until then um in whatever fashion it was uh but there are a few buildings around that that would have been but they they never would have been abandoned they would have been abandoned for a few years and then someone would have said right well we need to keep this going for for whatever reason or a lot of them were turned into something else reused as a different um uh, for a different purpose and then several years later someone goes oh actually it'd be really nice to turn that back into a mill or whatever and and have it as a like a living museum um and that, that's the thing that's what the time works is it's a living museum it's it's to show how things were done during that point in time um and i think that's that's kind of what happens a lot uh in the uk is stuff if it's worth preserving because it's it's a it's a technology or a technique or a an industry that's now no longer um no longer around no longer relevant then it gets kind of just uh it, it will get re- uh preserved in some sense or another but if or whereas in america because the history is so young and and it's kind of been built uh with the newer technologies that have been coming along so it's you haven't got that many industries that you've lost. You know, it, it's more 
those industries have have developed and the buildings that those industries were in have developed with them so you've got you've got these uh these buildings and these places being constantly um evolved and worked upon rather than just being all of a sudden bang we don't make sales like this anymore because <laughs> we we now have steamships so we don't need to sort of thing right but it, it, it depends what yeah go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no it depends what your like your your idea of progress is i guess because yes a lot of the the industrial revolution thing happened here and, and happened in in europe and stuff but america was great at revolutionizing stuff so you didn't invent the car but you took the car and made it available to the people through mass kind of um production lines. production lines you know inventing it um changing the way things are done um you know you it's not necessarily abandoning things, but it's like it's it's how America grew so quickly and so so massively, um, because you're great at changing, um, and maybe we're not. <laughs> you know, if if we're if we're constantly stuck to the past and and kind of try to preserve these little things that we're, we're clinging onto because we're romantic and and idealistic and and you know we we want to tell stories. Um, yes, it's yes, it's twee and it's nice, but is that progress? I don't know. You know, where's where's the fucking the Baker Light factory that's still going? <laughs> like, no one gives a fuck about that because it's terrible. <laughs> like, it's like picking and choosing what we think is is worth preserving. It's difficult. It's a difficult task, and I, I wouldn't want to be kind of given that responsibility. Yeah, I mean, is that speaking of that responsibility? Is that something, Tim, that you've, uh, I don't know, been been previous? privy to i know you were discussing that your job is mostly to um delegate and coordinate with all of these installs but are you ever present in a place that seems like your opinion would matter in terms of like this place should absolutely get shut down there's no reason to run power into here or we absolutely have to preserve this and i will do anything that i can to make Mm -hmm. sure that this runs correctly yeah yeah definitely yeah um like I recently did one of those jobs in Grimsby. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you get to see some beautiful places too. <laughs> I do, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, glamorous. Um, and it was literally just an old metal-clad shed with a huge concrete slab, like two or three football pitches of concrete. And I think, like, what's the fucking point in this? Like, um, Or then you go to mills like the Sunoco mill that I mentioned earlier, uh, and that, that needs to keep running. It's, it, it's got... That's got. I don't know what they originally did there. It'll be something to do with wool, uh, <laughs> but that that's got all like there's two old mills down there, and then they've added on to it in the sixties, and they've added on to it recently. So and there's like newer workshops, old workshops. So it, that that is still ticking over, and that's that's how they've got to go. If if, if it's been continually used its entire life, it's it's going to like evolve into something different. I mean, I I see. I see the resurgence as well. So I see things like like the twine work, Steve. Um, oh, to be honest, I was a bit disappointed that the actual twine that you buy there isn't from, they don't make it. Yeah. <laughs> Shipped in from Afghanistan or something. Um, but if, if, if more of this kind of, we've called it the maker movement, but if, if this keeps going and people are more, um, you know, inclined to be making things by hand, uh, uh, returning to kind of traditional skills, Steve. You've just quit an IT job to 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 to, to bash warm metal for a living. It's like hopefully that continues, and hopefully people get a more respect for these things and these trades. So therefore, it would warrant somebody to continue making 
yeah. twine in the traditional way. Um, it comes from Afghanistan because probably that is still how they make it there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it hasn't been massively industrialized yet. Um, so that's just a nice coincidence. But, you know, what if somebody did start making raw iron again? You know, what if what if these things that we see as romantic are actually desirable and could could bring a premium and could warrant a place in today's sort of disposable society? I, I, I think there's there's merit in it. Yeah. I mean and, and not and not from just a restorational point of view, not just like, oh we've gotta we've gotta remember like it's a fucking memorial yeah. that things gone past. But I think like the it, it's like with the twine. The reason that we don't make uh, or that, that twine isn't sold in vast quantities anymore and it's only a few um, people in the world still making it is because we've, we've got better things. We've got power cord. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same with, with the raw iron. Like Everyone has this wonderful romantic <laughs> idea about uh, raw iron, but essentially it's, it's a great, it's a really fun material to work with, but in terms of actual use, it's not a great material. It's, yeah, like wood. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 soft and rots. It's <laughs> um, although that's not true. That's the one good thing about raw iron is the fact that it's very rust resistant. But <laughs> but we've got steels that are far far superior for that in terms of rust resistance now. And that's I think that's the thing is it, it's that I think that's why for me conservation of these old sites and the the I don't want to say the old ways of doing it because that sounds really wanky, but. But like the, the the conservation of these traditional skills and these traditional industries, I think it's important so you can see how it's done. Um, and it, it goes back to that whole thing of of knowing the rules before you break them. It's it's useful to say actually, okay, so that's why they did it. And, it, and I think that's the thing is it's understanding why they did it in that way because um, uh, it's very easy to to read a book and and see a process, um, but to actually go in somewhere and experience it and go, okay, so that's all oh, right. So I didn't realize that the rope walk was actually that long and it was laid out like this and mm-hmm. everything else. It gives you that better idea. And that means that you can then apply those, those old techniques that may be lost. You can apply them in a, in a modern setting. You can go, all right, okay, well actually, you know, I, I need a bit of a uh, cord that's designed a bit more like this. Yeah. So what I could do is I could, oh, I could use strands of paracord and, and wrap it, using the same technique they did on the on the rope walk because that means that it's going to be like this or whatever. Um, so I think it's, it's important to, to still keep those um, alive, even, even if it's only as like a living reference to it. Um, well, it's, it's like, you know, I don't want to bring up the D word, but, you know, Damascus Steel being what it was actually originally. Yeah. Um, being this amazing product that was made for very specific conditions from specific places using specific materials. And now people are trying to recreate it and recreate the pattern and the look and the stuff, but it's not, it's not what it was at all. No. Um, no. And that's kind of been lost and nobody kind of really knows exactly the recipe and exactly the technique and stuff because it wasn't preserved. Yeah, um, exactly. But I think when you're talking about things like, you know, we don't use raw anymore because we've now got like stainless steel and we've got all these much better things. Um, I'm wondering what the cycle is on things like that, because I'm sure everybody said that when plastic was invented. It's like, yeah. oh, it's better than Bakelite. Now we've got plastic. We can use it for everything. Oils, oil will last forever. And <laughs> plastic is fantastic and it's waterproof. And yeah. uh, now you drink a fucking bottle of water and you get shot by a hippie. Like you can't, it's the devil. Like plastic is a swear word now. Yeah, it's and, just, and, just and, a new asbestos, isn't it? Exactly. And, and it kills you and it's everywhere. And it, oh, now it's fucking airborne. Never mind microplastics <laughs> in the sea. It's in the fucking air. So like, 
you know, what once was the the be all and end all and the ultimate yeah. material because it's cheap and playable and but also strong. Um, you know, so it's all well and good to say, oh, those things are forgotten. We we don't make twine anymore. Don't worry about that. It's like, well, yeah, but what is the actual cycle of these things? Yeah. Well, we go back to more primitive things because we're killing ourselves and we're destroying the planet. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I think that's why it's 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 important to keep those um, those kind of like I say the, the the living references of of how things were made uh, around and alive, and I think it's important to preserve that. Um, I think there's there's a tendency for people to like like you were saying earlier on, be really romantic about stuff like that and kind of go. Oh no! Well, you know, we we need to keep that because you know that's how it was done and and all that and well, yeah. But we've got better ways of doing it now, so we don't yeah you know, we don't we don't need to produce it like that just for the sake of producing it like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where people kind of sometimes get a bit caught up. Like it's it's great to uh, produce it. It's like with uh, if if we did start growing uh, flax around here again and and making twine it'd be great it'd be really really cool to see <laughs> but it's only ever, only ever going to get sold as a novelty item because oh you can get some twine that was made here that's that's it it's not going to be sold for stitching together tool ships again because there's that that industry's completely gone or do we see you know do we see a resurgence in hemp because of the way the yeah. way cannabis is going and the way people are kind of like more acceptance of that yeah. does that suddenly become oh it's way more economical to grow than cotton and it's yeah. you can have like hemp everything. <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually already starting to happen because people yeah. are starting to come around to it. Um, and, and that's the thing is like, you don't, then might say, well, actually if we've got all this excess hemp and you know, there's shitloads of it everywhere, then maybe we could start turning some of that into rope and we can use, again, you can use those techniques that we had for doing uh, it all with flax. Um, but what the fuck yeah. do you need rope for? <laughs> Charlie Bronson always had a rope. Right, get your fucking rope. Um, I, I think this brings up a, a topic that we, I know we've discussed it before, but this innovation stuff and and the idea that you could hold on to the old ways and learn them so that you can break the rules um, is important, though. And I brought it up with the having having naivety come coming into a shop or have somebody to bounce ideas off of that has no idea what you're doing. Um, but maybe knows the process or the product that you're trying to make, uh, because they can add in, they can add their knowledge from something completely different, right? Hemp. If, if that's something that we will end up getting back into, or if, if we see a resurgence there, I, it would probably come out of one, the acceptance of the product and it being way more mellow, in terms of people's thoughts about where it comes from. Anyway, um, it you'll have a lot of new, young, fresh people being presented with the idea that things like plastics or, or uh, non-natural fibers may be stronger, but limited supply, lots of pollution, and all that kind of stuff, right? So you get the naive brain coming into it and realizing that, well, People used to make rope 200 years ago. What did they use? Hemp. Okay. Why aren't we using that? Well, it's not as strong as this. That new person comes in with the knowledge of the past, hopefully, and sees what the issue is going forward and is able to bring new ideas into that because of their naive naivety. If, if we have these 
old buildings like we've been talking about or wrought iron and having new options that are technically better. I would hope to see more people researching the old ways of doing things and then bringing all of the new ideas and tech, not necessarily by material or product, but why, why is plastic such a, uh, why was it such an accepted product and what are the advantages to using something like plastic? Well, if I can figure out a way to use the old knowledge that I know of the old ways that things are done with the progress that was made and the innovation that was made with plastic, how did those two worlds meet? That's so, so many things seem to be lacking. You know, that's one or the other. You either get the old novelty and the romance or you get the new stuff that a hippie will shoot you for because it's poisoning the planet. I would love to see the old buildings in the States get used for, uh, you know, sectioned out workspaces. And I, I know I yeah. said this yesterday, but we, uh, at my old company, we got a flat in the lower West side. Yeah. Like Soho area. And it was a multi-million dollar apartment that somebody could afford back in the 80s, probably when they were all doing coke and trading stocks. And no one can afford that anymore. But the company that owns the building realized that like rent's ridiculously expensive. There's a lot of small startup companies that have a little bit of money. And it's more advantageous for them to split up the workspace in this flat and make it more just kind of like a modular unit allow people to come in, maybe get their legs underneath them and then, you know, grow outward. So it's, it's not a permanent space for anybody, but that's somebody solving the problem of the rent is too damn high with, you know, this is just a space with power outlets on the wall. So like, yeah. how do we make those two worlds? We want people to come in here and innovate, use the space, which is just a space but but lead into like the next step. I don't know. I'm trying to make those two worlds fit. Yeah, I mean, because we we talk, again we talked about this a bit uh, yesterday, and and I know we said about the fact that there was the uh, like the engine shed in in Bristol that's been gone from being used to store tens of steam engines into being then turned into uh, offices, and it, the fact that that area has now become so popular that they've now got the um, shipping containers out outside of it to use as more office space because they've they've run out of of room inside the building but i think i i, I just want to go back to what you were saying about the the idea of people combining those uh the old technology uh, the old techniques and new technology and uh, and it i think i'm i'm questioning it a little bit because the way you said you'd love to see that happen and i think that is happening and it's something that i see happening quite a lot already i mean we i'm unfortunate enough that um a lot of the festivals we do there's that's kind of that ethos is is very prevalent um to the point where a lot of the shows like we a lot of the shows we go to now they they simply don't allow single-use plastics um everything has to be either you know um if it is a single-use item it, it's got to be made from um from plant starch and and things like that rather than actual plastic um because people are doing just that they're they're looking at, at how things have been done how things can be done um and what else there is available and if there is any way to tie tie between the two i mean you've e even got to the point where uh we had someone um 
uh, questioning the other day about the fact that we've got uh, the rope that we put out the front of uh, the forges when we're doing the the demos. So we have to put a rope out because we've changed the setup again. So we've got this rope out um, to basically stop people from getting too close. And it's a it's a synthetic rope, but it looks like hemp. Um, and uh, and someone was asking about it, and they were saying how how realistic it looks, how much like hemp rope it looks. And, um, and that kind of brought up the question, well, why don't we just use hemp rope? But the reason, <laughs> yeah. reason being that it, it's too fucking expensive. But the reason it's too expensive is because... No one's making it anymore. Yeah, no, no one's <laughs> making it because there's no call for it. Yeah. But then how many people use rope that are actually putting that much pressure on it like is yeah you're is not lifting an... you're not lifting fucking ships with it <laughs> yeah exactly like <laughs> to stop is... posh people touching the hot metal yeah is is there enough other people doing that sort of thing to make it worthwhile making vast quantities of that rope again or is it always yeah it, it, is it just to the point now where the the main industries that buy that sort of stuff are uh have certain requirements i mean that, that's the thing it's like lifting straps like you know they they have to be rated to a certain thing and mm. You know, most lifting straps only get used a handful of times, and then they get fucked off, and uh, and either thrown away or given to you know someone's friend who's going to use it for off roading or something like that. And um, and and that, that's the thing is, it's I, I think that that is happening. It's just the fact that it's happening on a very small scale because uh, the way that the the world is kind of gone is we a lot of the older stuff and the the more natural fibers and things like that they tend to have um flaws and and they're 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 variable by nature so um with industry and stuff like that it it needs to be uh standardized to for those box tickers to be able to tick their boxes and and i'm not saying that's right i'm just saying that's kind of the way things things have gone you know you've got you've got people like tim who are going well i need to lift a six ton transformer and i don't really want to do it with the plant i want to do it with (laughs) a bit of rope that i know is gonna and this is only rated for five but i know that the rating is at least half of what it actually can lift i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) exactly (laughs) just fold it over (laughs) wimbles do not work that way (laughs) um but yeah, so I, I think that's kind of one of the reasons why it's it's very difficult to go back to uh, from from the point we are today. It's very difficult to go back to um, to using more natural substances without changing the way that um, that things that, that that we work as a society. I think I think I think you're right, but I think that there's a there's a massive risk. Of, of leaving things behind too quickly and mm. going to other things. Yeah, So, definitely. like, the Industrial Revolution is a great example of, like, very, very quickly adopting on a massive scale things that were new. Oh, coal's great. That's fucking brilliant. It's not going to get us all. Exactly. You know, um, after the war, again, let's make everything nuclear. Mixed. Let's make all electric plants, power plants <laughs> nuclear. Never going to be a problem. Um, let's put lead in petrol. <laughs> it's like all, the, all these really fast, and nothing is regulated. Yeah. So, so any kind of um, innovation or breakthrough was just seen as amazing and helpful and it will make us yeah. all rich and it will make life easier. Every house will be full of robots and we can yeah. all just sit around drinking Long Island iced tea. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, there's going to be repercussions eventually for all of this shit because you're cutting corners or you're using materials that we don't know about or you've invented substances that we have no idea what the long-term effects are going to be. 
Um, it's like when yeah. they first discovered radium and like, oh yeah, put a little bit in your tea and it will make you feel great. Yeah, it gives you a glow. <laughs> like, you know, we come across loads of stuff like that at work. There's asbestos. Like, asbestos, <laughs> that's a big one, yeah. Um, but then they had this other thing, and I don't really know why they did it, but they call it PCBs. Oh, uh, yeah. They used to stick that in the transformer oil and uh, it's cancerous, or whatever the <laughs> yeah. word for that is. So like, you've got to worry about being electrocuted, breathing in dust, or just... <laughs> Being given cancer from the oil, uh, it's just think, like, where the fuck did they put this in? Yeah. It, it, it must have just been, oh, this is like a bit cheaper than oil, or it does X, Y, Z. Yeah, you know, bang a pint of that in a, every gallon. And or uh, some, someone was on the PCB board and on the council. <laughs> yeah, like, probably, probably. We, we need yeah. to get eight units in every every month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's yeah. great. Eat cheese. <laughs> Dig up more asbestos and pop some of that in. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I've heard that's great? Mercury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kids love mercury. Mercury yeah, my, uh, paint, mercury toys. My, uh, the, oh, put them in your thermostats. They'll be great. The, the guy who lived next door to was a kid. One of the drawers in his garage was just full of mercury, just sloshing about. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, Paul, what's this? You're like, oh, yeah, don't touch that. Don't, don't go in the drawer. <laughs> Why have you got in a fucking wooden drawer in your garage and you've got six kids? <laughs> They were all in and out of your garage. Like, they're all they're fucking mental now. What? You'll end what up you... in the naughty drawer again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming out like Terminator. Two dunks in the naughty drawer. What are you saying? He's got a a, uh, a drawer full of mercury. Like, Are we talking like a pint or are we talking like a couple of gallon? Well, just like a standard sort of... <laughs> draw. It's not draw. A, a, foot, a you foot wide draw, three inch deep in mercury. Like more than you'd expect. More than the average draw. Yeah, they, they weren't like balls of mercury. It was a, a draw sea of mercury. <laughs> so, and I was, I wasn't very old. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is not safe. Yeah, I'm sure, it's not. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Did he have like testament, a testament to the joinery on the draw, though? You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, 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 didn't, it didn't leak. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a Land Rover note. You know what they're like. Hey, yeah. behave. Do you know what <laughs> Land Rovers? They're fucking spiffing. We did it. So, Al. <laughs> uh, Brett is going to go first this week. Uh, I'm starting it off, and we're gonna we're gonna start in the north with a YouTube channel called Northman, uh, because for a channel to be about all of these old traditional and and old school ways of making things, they also have some archival videos. Um, there's some stuff like Swedish woodworking, and I think there's some smithing stuff on there as well, but. They have a great channel. The visuals and the cinematography or whatever, the production is is pretty amazing. And I love the idea of being able to see someone like Jim knock up, you know, a, a storage shed for the side yard and then watch a video of the Northman spending six times as long to build, you know, a fully functioning log cabin with traditional joinery. Uh, it's interesting to watch both sides of that, but you know, I sure have an appreciation for 
knowing that in the zombie apocalypse, if I've watched enough Northman videos, I could probably sort out a log house. I think so. I, I think that's what makes it compelling for me is that they're not just doing it for nostalgic romantic purposes. No. They, like it is fully <laughs> functional. It is yeah. legit. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So the Northman. Northman? I think it's just Northman, yeah. not the Northman. Northman. Yeah, Northman. It, it's, uh, I think it's Northman Guild is their website, but it's, yeah, the, the YouTube is just Northman. The um, real North. They are very, very good. And yeah, I think we've said before, like, it's really good, like, slow TV. It's, yeah, it, it doesn't, you don't need to, uh, I was going to say, you don't need to pay attention to it. That's not what I meant at all. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it's something you can sit down and you can just, chill out and and watch and it, it can it doesn't matter it doesn't it feels like it doesn't matter if it's a five minute video or if it's a hour and a half long like it's still just mellow and there and nice yes uh, agree so uh al you are next yes uh sticking with the north theme um i as you know i'm a fan of the adam buxton podcast um Yay. one of my complaints although not verbalized is that it's very sort of london centric and he's yeah. obviously very southern and all the guests he has on are incredibly southern sort of middle class public school wankers um until this week he had bob mortimer bob mortimer on um who for those that weren't born in the 80s and live in the uk um <laughs> is, a, is a british comedian um he was part of reeves and mortimer which was this really sort of bizarre surreal comedy duo in the 90s um yeah which a lot of kind of our humor is, is kind of around that theme. And, and <laughs> <laughs> um, it was sort of harmless humor as well. There was something yeah. very naive about him, very childish um, with the odd sort of fart joke thrown in. Um, yeah. The dove from above. Tim's, Tim's doing the dove from above down. <laughs> um, and it still holds up. It's great comedy, but, um, but I, I didn't realize until now that Bob Mortimer has his own podcast. Uh, and it's called Atletico Mints. So as if it was a football team based around ground beef. Um, <laughs> and it's fantastic. It's him, he, he, uh, Bob's from Middlesbrough, and he's just got a mate on. I have no idea who he is. He's called Andy, and he's from Sunderland. And it's just two sort of really working class, like mining towns from the northeast of England that are even more grim than from where me and Tim are from. Um, <laughs> and it's just hilarious. It's literally just like two guys rambling on about like mashed potato and gravy uh, and just crap. It pretends to be a football podcast, but it's not. Um, there's a very thin veil of sports themed about it because Bob used to be a footballer. <laughs> but beyond that, it's just jokes. It's horrendous dad jokes for like an hour. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's hilarious. It's It's like... I want to say kid friendly, but they do swear a bit. But it's very like innocent and naive. Yeah. Um, but it's hilarious. It's literally just two blokes rambling on, and it's called Atletico Mints. And I suggest you start listening from episode eight, and it's fucking hilarious. I've been li- like literally laughing out loud, like a fucking <laughs> madman every day on the way to work in the car, like just like genuinely screaming out, out yeah. with laughter. <laughs> fucking brilliant. I was listening. Uh, I subscribed to uh, that yesterday but i was just looking i didn't realize that you got onto it from uh adam buxton and uh because i haven't listened to that episode yet uh i didn't realize that paul whitehouse is on it as well so it looks like it's gonna be a very good episode so i will have to check that out a very silly good it has also fucking uh reeves and mortimer uh i didn't realize until like 
four years after I'd been sh- shopping in Mortimer's for ever. Um, but there's a bakery chain around here called Mortimer's. It's like Greg's, but not as good. Um, and there's a Reeves one as well. And I didn't realize that it's actually, they both own their own bakery. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. Oh, yeah, wow. It's fucking great. Um, so yeah, there's a Reeves and there's a Mortimer's. Uh, who, who owns Greg's then? Greg Wallace. <laughs> just some guy called Greg. Oh, uh, Tim, who do you think is spiffing? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Martin Zero. Um, even though like, I've been trying to avoid Manchester my entire life, he has uh, <laughs> actually made it look interesting, which it turns out it is. Uh, and it, he just goes around looking at all the old buildings in Manchester. He does a bit of, he went down a mine the other week, like a copper mine that had been dug by the Romans. Um, he nipped over to Liverpool to some tunnels that this bloke just built to give people something to do. <laughs> uh, pretty smart. Um, yeah, uh, I mainly got into that because of the mills, but uh, it's turned out it's pretty good. And they had the uh, canal trapdoor. Is, is that on the YouTube's then, Tim? It's on the YouTube's, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's just Martin Zero. Uh, yeah, it is. If you put that in. It's that then he will come up. Unlike um, yeah. if you put in Turkworks. Yeah, I know. What's that all about? No. <laughs> it's exclusive. Um, Patreon only. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Martin Zero is really, really good fun. I uh, I have watched several of his videos. Uh, speaking of videos that I have watched, I am going to spiff uh, Jay Foreman, who is not from the North. He is another London wanker, but uh, he does some really, really good videos on... Um, uh, projects and things in London that uh, were started and not not completed. Like uh, started on the, I think the first one was on one of the rail lines that uh, was started in London and then completely stopped. And it's quite interesting because he goes into like how um, how the the building of a train station in a mostly rural area can then very very quickly turn it into a. Uh, uh, a, a suburb of London and, and how much um, industry and development pops up around just a something as simple as a train station, uh, but does it in a really, really funny way. Um, and there's also uh, another series from him on his channel called Map Men, where... What is that clicking? Brett. Okay. Ow. I'm just, I'm just going to mute Brett while he's doing it then. What? what? Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah uh, he also does um, a series called Map Men uh, which similar sort of thing is really really good fun um, really funny silliness involved in it and it's good so that is Jay Uh, I think that's it then any other business Uh, can we do this entire thing over again tomorrow yes no okay Uh, thanks third time's a charm Okay. <laughs> uh, anything serious? No. Thanks. <laughs> thank you, Tim, for for coming round. Yeah. Thank you, thanks Tim, for the invite. It's all right. It's been lovely. Keep. <laughs> let's see more pictures on on the grams of all the beautiful places that you go because you you have things to show us. Show us the things. Yeah, I've uh, I've started putting them on today, so I'll. Uh... I don't know if you follow me on there, but to be honest, I'll send you one. Uh, uh, yeah, I do. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> so, in which case, for people that aren't Brett, where can everyone find you, Tim? 
Uh, Turg works on Instagram. There's also Turg out if you want to look at old stuff or kids. I don't follow that one because there's too many damn kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> the one with the cool stuff on. Yeah. <laughs> that's not coffee scoops. <laughs> uh, and I've, I've just looked at my YouTube channel, and uh, I must have two because one of them's got videos on, and the other one doesn't. Uh, the one that doesn't is the Turg works one. So yeah, that's good. Sol- solved that issue. <laughs> Uh, awesome cool all right bud um and if you want to get hold of the rest of us you can find us on all of the usual usual social medias Mm -hmm. you can find me at moonshine metalworks you can find brett at skull and spade 13 and you can find al at al's hack shack shacks al's al exactly (laughs) uh if you want to find us as a group you can find us at fwt podcast you can find us on in the facebook group uh search for fools and tools on facebook and that's it. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Thought you'd gone again. <laughs> yeah. uh, cool. So you us uh, here next week. So we'll see you later, guys. Bye. Bye.